0: Hey everybody, it's Chris here, welcoming you to another episode of The Casual Flipper Podcast. What's up? Welcome back, guys. Just so you are aware, TheCasualFlipper.com is live. Go check that out. And then you can find me on Instagram at TheCasualFlipper. And that's also for YouTube. And then Twitter is casualflipper. I hope to see ya. Alright, let's get into it. Welcome back, everyone. Back in October, I was featured on Kicking It With Cam podcast. I want to bring you that episode here today because I want you to discover that podcast, which is so amazing. The guy is fluid, smart. He's so hype. I think if you check out his podcast, you'll really enjoy it. But I wanted to make sure that you got to hear it. So here it is, and I hope you enjoy. Chris, uh,
1: at the Casual Flipper, man, thank you so much for being on, being the first guest of Kicking It With Cam, my new podcast. So, bro, I, I... really am enjoying this podcast as far as everything is going and i really want to start up a segment for every time we have a guest it's sort of like the origin story so like i know you as the casual flipper and i know a lot of people know you for personal development and reselling a ton but i want you to just go off and tell us like how you got to this point of, of being so awesome
0: okay well it's a pleasure to be on the show by the way i'm super pumped that i get to be the first guest and maybe when this thing blows up i'll get to be the last one before things really go crazy so uh, thank you for having me on. I do appreciate that and all the kind words. Um, my dream story is kind of, you know, geez, where is, where's the best place to from? Well, to give value and have just things contextual, um, I had, I guess we'll start it with, like, with my last podcast. So, and before all that, honestly, I think for the listeners, if you're growing or you're trying to find that thing for you, it all comes down to self-awareness. This isn't a self-awareness game. When I started looking in the mirror and trying to figure out who I really am and and why I made decisions that I made, rather than just making them is when things became really real for me and things become a lot more, or life just becomes a lot more sustainable. Uh, The reason I say that is I had this thing, Big Red Says, and basically that was just me expressing my creativity because I wasn't being fulfilled at my workplace or in life that often. I later come to learn that my big values of life our creativity and growth. Without that, I am not happy. So I worked this job that I was making good money with my friends close to home, everything you think would be great, but it wasn't experiencing my core value. So I started this project called Big Red Says. It was all about mindset, personal development. I had a podcast, development following, but then it kind of died off simply because it wasn't like personal development for me is important, but it isn't where I want to focus all my attention. So it wasn't super genuine. Although I believed it, it really wasn't everything I needed. So I stopped doing that. And I just kind of just lived like I was working, you know, I bought a house, whatever I did, and just like just really got in like complacent, I guess. Um, And then boom, COVID happened. And that's when things really like work shut down. So I'm at home, I had a lot of time to reflect. I started reading again, Got some knowledge in my head, a lot of reflection. Ended up quitting my job, which was huge. And all along, just like I were, I started reselling back in November. So I was working my job, reselling, not taking it over overly serious. Um, and then when COVID happened, quit my job, did some deep dive self reflection, realized that I could get a lot out of the reselling game just because I can I can express my creativity through my own content, and then I can grow because entrepreneurship is a constant growing experience. So it really aligned with my values. And when I was able to realize my values, I was able to realize the life and design something around it. So now this thing I'm doing is super sustainable for me because it aligns with my values. So that's kind of the mucky version of how I got here. And it's just me being me.
1: That is awesome, bro. I absolutely love to hear. I think that you said a few things that were really, really important. And I think probably the biggest thing that you said is that um, the money can't be the only goal. And I think that's one that I've really, really been trying to, a uh, uh, message that I've been trying to push across because if your goal is only to make money, you probably will get there. Like you probably will get all the money that you're trying to get to if you have like, you know, the work ethic and the mentality to do it. Yep. But you'll, you'll get it and you feel like empty, like you've lost your, your sense of purpose if you ever had one to begin with. So I think that's so, I think that's such an amazing point and back same on that same origin story piece, if I would have met Chris, let's say in let's let's go, let's go sophomore year of high school, what type of person would, would I have met then?
0: My goal in high school was to be as invisible as possible. Like for <laughs> like I that was my goal. I I I didn't want to be known. I just if no one to like I was just invisible. So I was into sports, stuff like that. Like I had a few friends. Just very average, extremely like incredibly average like I think that 's just the best way i never i didn 't have like the entrepreneurship DNA at least i didn 't know you know when I was really young, I had like a lawn mowing business, and me and this guy would go around and lawn mow lawn, sorry, so it was kind of there, but I never really seen it it 's the signs of it until later on, but yeah, in high school, just average I hid. And i I into sports and stuff like that. But nothing worth, like, nothing, you know, exciting.
1: So where did the switch happen? So from of you being sort of like a kind of like average, not really necessarily wanting to put yourself out there, to now posting, you know, probably a dozen pieces of content across Twitter and, and Instagram and all the other platforms, especially with something like a podcast, where, I mean, like the natural point of having a podcast is to be open with almost random people. So where, where did that switch happen if you just sort of just like open up and almost be the opposite of your younger self?
0: Well, no, that's that's a really great question. And I haven't had a lot of time to do, like reflect on it, on something like that. I don't really know exactly if it happened so much like a switch, but maybe the only thing I can kind of reason quickly in my head is when I was in school, you're in kind of a system. And basically, your life is almost decided for you until you graduate. And then, you, you know, you do whatever you do. So I didn't have to really explore my inner self a whole lot because it was already done for me even in a sense like you're gonna you go to school you get good grades you soldier like like there's not a lot of self-reflection that really has to take place i wasn't great in school i was a horrible student i literally got (laughs) 60s and 70s like i which is like a c and d like I. And Mm -hmm. I actually I actually was thinking about this the other day. I actually believe that because of those grades and every time I got a test result back, it actually reinforces like it keeps you down. Like every time you get a negative result, when you Mm -hmm. don't know what's going on, like the school system actually trained me to not be confident and not to take risks.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so I mean, I think it's really safe to say that the school system, I mean, it just it just didn't work out very well for you. I think that that's it's such an interesting point because for me, so like I was almost like in 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 the opposite in the sense of like in in, uh, in like my sophomore year in high school, like I mean like just tons of confidence, wanted to know everybody, wanted to be friends with everybody, and uh, but very similar to you though, I wasn't good at sort of like pencil and paper like read this test assignment type stuff, but I graduated with a with a 3.8 GPA. And I swear to God, like the only reason why I think I graduated with such a high GPA was because I spent so much time trying to learn soft, st- soft skills and I made my teachers like me so much that they were just like, you know, we can't mm, fail. Yeah. He's such a good guy. So I, th- I think it's almost so opposite on, on, but I will say like school is very, very crippling to a point. Like you were just saying, like the negative result. Are especially like uh, like if you study all night for a test, take the test, and then like you know you still make a sixty on it. It's like I'll, I'll okay, well. two That's
0: things well. I got I gotta bring up real quick. What? One is I may have painted a picture a little bit wrong in a sense. Well, I, well, not really. Right after, literally right out of high school, I started mm-hmm. a website called The Daily Consciousness, what? and I would like it was so fun, man. Like I would go to local shows because I was really into music at the time. I'd go to shows. I would interview bands and I would do features for them on the website Like, and I'd get in the shows for free. Like, it was a really cool experience. So I would have been kind of creating literally the moment I got out of high school. And I don't know why it started then, but that's kind of when it started. But kind of going back to like the, the school bit, I was cleaning out my father's cottage and I found this document. Mm-hmm. My parents sent me to like, like a school psychologist or something. They did an assessment on me when I'm 11 years old.
1: How do they know
0: like like really it's not like that's a reflection of of everyone, I guess, that they're worried about me. But um, and it, basically it says that I'm going to have to work way harder in life to achieve the same result, which is mm. crazy to me because that's not how things panned out. But that's the kind of programming that they were given my parents to treat me, which mm. it, which blows my mind. And they only based it off the tested methods that are pen to paper. Right out of high school, I took automotive. Mm-hmm. I was always hands-on. But the mm-hmm. assessment was done purely based on how well I can read something and then reflect it back, which was never mm-hmm. a strong suit of mine. Now, I'm 29, mm-hmm. so obviously this was a few years ago. Not that I'm old, but maybe the systems yeah. and every school system is different. So in my local area, it could just be there behind the times. But it's just crazy that we would evaluate a human being on one document that I did a test that was, I had to read something and then do the it's results?
1: It's still the same. I mean, like, I've been to a lot of kids out of high school, and I just graduated uh, – I graduated in 18, 2018. So, like, it's not much – not much has changed <laughs> at all. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much still the same. I, I know now I, – and I know you know about the SAT, but, I mean, like, the SAT is probably, like, you know, the most rigged test in the world just because it's, like, a, a standard test and while it makes sense to have everybody across the country on the same playing field, it's like, I just because I'm not good at this doesn't mean that I'm stupid or it doesn't mean that, that, I, that I'm that I'm mentally disabled or anything like that. It just means that I'm not good at the system right. or the that you're trying to put me in. And but I, th- I think it's, it's almost ridiculous. And I think that's why I um, so heavily push being able to find knowledge yourself, being able to yep. find work and I think where you started off that was self-awareness, like knowing this does not work for me. So if I want to learn something, it doesn't make sense for me to try to force myself to learn it from a book. Uh, you know, spent seven, eight hours trying to do that when I could have watched a 12-minute YouTube video and remembered all of it like, like I wrote it myself. So I think that's I think that's awesome. And I think you really killed like this first segment of, a, of an origin story. I really want to keep this part into the podcast, man, because I feel like people who might not have heard of you before can get a very good understanding of the type of person that you are based on like you know these this last 15 minutes or so that we talked off this Yeah, you know, i think
0: that's awesome cool.
1: thank you man thank you so so let me ask my next question how would i know you said you had the job and we went into it just a little bit but what was the mindset what was the thought process i think you said in november when you first started reselling that made you want to switch over to doing it full time
0: well i think it's inside of like i've always wanted more in a, in a, and but I, and sometimes it gets suppressed sometimes it expresses itself like and, and like what that means i don't even really know but there's just this feeling there's this thing inside of you that's like i know there's more inside of me like Mm -hmm. certain things I've excelled at when I have excelled at it, I've done very well at it. Mm -hmm. So I knew that there was something there, but I just didn't know what. So, and I I honestly, everything happens for a reason. Like I got this job that I was selling phones and which led me to where I am now. So I do believe everything happens for a reason. But in that job, there was a guy that told me he sells on Amazon. He didn't really tell me a lot about it, uh, but he just basically explained the idea of it, which really piqued my interest. But he didn't give me a lot of details about his particular business, how he's running it. I knew he was selling some expensive electronics, and he would just send them in the Amazon. And I wasn't like I didn't know what, but it sounded like it sounded very intriguing to me. But it also sounded really hard. Like it seemed like a, like very tricky, which is one of the reasons that I started the casual flipper is to hopefully demystify you know getting into the reselling game because it's really not as difficult as some at least as I made it think.
1: Yeah, because I'm bro like Amazon makes no sense to me, and I've tried it like three or four times like eBay. I can do it in my sleep, but like Amazon, I know I send it over to the, to like to Amazon. I know they, like I get the, the understanding of it, but actually doing it, don't understand <laughs> it. But I do a post helped a ton.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's just like anything, you know, it just takes practice. You gotta, and once you do it a few times, it's not bad. I've, no, I've really focused on books. That's kind of <laughs> where I'm, that's what I enjoy doing. And I do want to scale into other kind of things, but yeah, he'd mentioned that he was selling on Amazon. And from there, I literally went home that night, watched a bunch of videos. And probably within a week I made my very first podcast um, where I just sat down in front of the camera and just recorded that I want to document the process of it. And I go back and look at that now and it's just hilarious. So I really think you should document what you're doing, even if it's not for anybody else, just for your own self to go back and look at it. And like, I have a little guy like he'll see this video, you know, me start my business when mm-hmm. when he's 15 it's going to be hilarious so It'll that's where hilarious. it all started
1: and i think i think because uh, it, okay so i have a lot of my friends a lot of my followers who watch this and they think that all of amazon's uh, because i've talked to them They think that a lot all of amazon's products like amazon themselves kind of like buys in sort of they think the amazon business model and the walmart business model are sort of like the same thing so for, for the people who don't know, and let's just say super new, super beginners, can you explain the difference between ordering something from walmart.com and then coming from a Walmart warehouse versus ordering like an item off Amazon and it coming from the Amazon warehouse?
0: So I don't have a lot of context on how Walmart works, but from an outside perspective at this point, I picture it like really, really, really early on Amazon. It's like the Wild West, like the, like, I don't think that their platform, I mean, from a seller's perspective, it's, I don't think the platform is as easy to navigate. There's Mm -hmm. not as much competition, which could be a good thing or bad thing, depending on how you look at it. And it's all as, as far as I know right now, it's all uh, FBM. So it's fulfilled by merchants. So it's basically like, it's probably honestly closer to eBay than it is Amazon. Because when you Mm -hmm. buy a product that from Amazon, that's FBA. So fulfilled by Amazon or Prime, Mm -hmm. you're just buying it from the fulfillment center. So Amazon's employees are packaging it up and sending it to you versus Walmart. It's that individual or their company sending it to you.
1: So so to put it just like super simple, what Chris does is he gets a really, really big box um, of stuff that he bought for like, you know, wherever he he will source things from, he puts it all in a box and then he sends the stuff that he has to the Amazon warehouse. Amazon, exactly. like, you know, their magic, they track everything. And every time Chris makes a sale, obviously he gets the money from that sale. But like he was saying that Amazon, uh, like the Amazon actual employees, they send out the items. So Amazon is almost like a, like a third party between a buyer and a seller versus walmart well walmart is straight uh distribution so like if you're buying um i can't i mean just like really anything if you're buying like a pen from um i forget the name of that they really big pen company but if, if you're buying anything from walmart you're buying it like he was saying from the merchant or from the business itself and it's in a way it's like a third party but in a lot of times walmart buys a lot of stock and then they just have things in the warehouse that they ship out versus different. So it's a little bit different because like he was saying, it's a seller where Amazon ships it out versus Walmart. And honestly being able to like buying from both websites, you can almost tell. And that gets me a lot into to my next question. And how do you with, with coronavirus going on, with the stimulus checks happening early this year and e-commerce really just just blowing out the water for sellers, how do you see this Q4 going
0: for e-commerce? I can speculate now the way it's so hard to say, cause it really depends. Well, it's going to be amazing. That's kind of what off the bat. It always is anyway. And one can only think that it will be more so, but it also kind of depends on what the brick and motors do and how the, like what happens with the virus going forward. Because if we're in the middle of a deadlock come Christmas and everything shut down again, people are still need to buy gifts. It's going to be ridiculous. Yeah but every like all regions are a little bit different. So I'm in Canada and Mm -hmm. I'm in the Atlantic, which is extremely East, almost as East as you can get on the continent. It's like uh, Northeast from New York. Mm -hmm. Um, We have this little bubble set up and we're like, we haven't almost haven't had any cases now for quite a while, which has been nice, but a lot of the other places are going crazy with it. So here for say, it might not be so strong, but then other places it might be crazy as an e-com seller you're selling like i sell right now i'm only in canada i have Mm -hmm. some stuff in the u.s but it's a it's a different setup for me to sell in the states because i have to send my stuff to a prep center Um, Mm -hmm. but in canada i think it would be strong Mm -hmm. i think no matter where you are it's going to be strong but it like it's, to, it's, it's regional, too, because some regions might be more open than others. But overall, I think it's going to be very, very good.
1: That, that's a good point, man, because I have been thinking about it, and I'm not going to lie to you, I have been 100% worst-case scenario. It's just, I've just been thinking, the, what if the whole world goes on shutdown? down, and, yeah, people are buying, but we can't ship the stuff out? Because, I mean, I have never had a package loss and for USPS, and I've shipped out probably at this point thousands of orders up until like three or four months ago when COVID first happened. And like, it seemed like every package I was shipping out was getting lost at some point that had never happened to me before. So I think that getting, I guess, punched in the face or sort of like kicked back these past few months where everybody sort of had to find a way to adjust their business model or find a way to do something a little bit different. I'm I'm almost kind of like looking over my shoulder thinking like, okay, when does this happen again? Because in some way or form, it's going to happen again, whether it be COVID or you know something else that happens ten years from now. But I'm sort of just like, okay, how do how does business shift? Or or I think the next question I want to ask you as well is how did you have to adjust or shift your business? Because if you started in November, COVID hadn't really. You know, got to the point where things were shut down. So, had, did you have to ship your business at all? Were you able to like really easily make a different
0: transition into making sales or,
1: or sourcing items?
0: Uh, it was uh, interesting. So, I like I went, so I started in November. So, I had quite a bit of like I was November, December, January, February, March. I it's like I wasn't taking it overly serious until March. So, mm. I had to, well, I like, so I before. COVID, my sourcing was going out, scanning bookstores, which, and also I sell used books. That's kind of the, my main focus. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd go to brick and mortar stores, but I was also selling some, you know, other flip other things, SOS pads, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I really had to change my strategy and learn some new stuff because I wasn't able to do that because literally everything was shut down. Right. So I started learning about, you know, online arbitrage, which I knew about, but I didn't put an episode on and wholesale. So I used that time really to educate myself. I was just learning, learning, learning. Like I just learned like the ins and outs. Um, I still have a lot more to learn. But So I started doing more online arbitrage at that time, which means I would basically buy something clearance on Walmart, have it shipped to my house, and then I would ship it into Amazon and they would sell it. Mm. So it might sell for 30 bucks on Amazon. I'd get it for $4 and I'd buy 50 of them, send them off. So I started doing that. So that's kind of how what got me through, but I wasn't super happy with the way the business was going. So when things started opening it back up, I went back to my old faithful, which was books. And I've since just been trying mm. to scale like crazy because books is a numbers game. So I used to go get 25 books every, like I would do a shipment every week of 50 books, but now I'm starting to buy pallets, like mm. pallets of books. That's crazy. I, yeah.
1: So, oh, so we're, we're, when you were trying to learn the ins and outs of the game, where were some of the places that you, went? Did you did you you know did you go to courses? Was it just all YouTube videos? Were there like certain books that you read? Like, how did you learn in the beginning?
0: Um, I think honestly, social media has been a blessing. I use it as a as a tool in a sense to connect with people, which is kind of what it's meant for, but also to learn. So Instagram, Twitter have been very, very, very good for that. There's a few. That have been uh, particularly good podcasts. I listened to a few, you know, there was a couple that I was on, um, not like a physically on, but I was like on to listening. There was a few I was listening in that sense. really, it was, it was Instagram, Twitter, listening to a few podcasts, YouTube. I didn't do any courses, which I'm definitely not against. I think it's very smart. You to be very careful with the the ones you pick and don't put yourself into a deep hole if it is expensive. So I'm definitely pro- courses i just haven't found the right one for me yet but i'm definitely willing to to do that um but it was yeah I'll taking social cool. media and stuff like that
1: i always recommend go go if you're gonna buy a course buy a udemy course for like you know 24 dollars, learn the basics and then attempt before you got anything anything mm. but I, I think that's so awesome bro is, of of reaching out through every uh, kind of thing that you have available to try to almost like scram and learn as much as, as you possibly can. Because that is, I mean, like it's honestly how I learned. So um, a lot of my background is actually in e-commerce. I probably spent four or five years uh, in e-commerce and learning digital marketing, uh, specifically dropshipping. But I mean, just like kind of like the ins and outs of the entire business. And then recently, I actually think it was November as well for me. I just, I remember late last year when I actually switched into uh, like doing reselling and, and really, really taking it seriously. So that's, that's kind I guess, something that we share in common. But yeah, bro, I think that there has been so many adjustments and I think that I, I want to talk to you also about what are some of the, I guess, like the tangible maybe mental toughness or sort of mindset that you have to have on being a full-time entrepreneur, because you alluded to it earlier when you said the business wasn't going the way I wanted it to go. And that's, it's such a crazy thing because with a job, you know, you might get pissed off at your boss. You might not, you you know, some things might be going wrong, but at the end of the month, at the end of the two weeks, you still get the same amount of check versus being an entrepreneur. It's sort of like if I go 30 days without making any sales, I still have to pay mortgage or I still have to pay rent or like my electric, my Wi-Fi bill. How does, how, what type of mindset do you have to have as an entrepreneur to weather the storm when things get difficult?
0: Yeah, so that's a good question. And one I can kind of half answer in a sense, because um, I'm not at a point where I absolutely have to rely on my business 100 100%. 100%.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But with that being said, I'm heavily in it and my business is growing. And I do think there's a few key things that will lead to my future success and to where I'm at now. Um, so I do. Since January, I've done about forty thousand in sales, which for me is I'm I'm happy with that. Like I'm okay with that, but I, I want to continue growing that number. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing to consider as well is I'm just now, like at the end of this month, is when I'll actually be profitable because of the time from January to now, I had a lot of learning, is what I call it, mistakes, inventory, equipment, whatever startup costs. So I've accumulated some debt and i paid it off and i came in like i'm kind of been just like going up and down and it's fine but it's it's, it's,
1: you know, it's keep it hustling bro yeah like, keep, it's, keep going.
0: yeah it's hard it's but like it's when you when you when you're coming from a job into the business mm-hmm. like it's, it's there's so many mindset shifts to go through like mm-hmm. i when i first took on some debt it like it hurt me so deeply inside because it's like that's how I would react in my personal life. Because I'm very—I spent 10 years paying off debt. I don't want to go back to that life. But I took that—that yeah. kind of bad, well, not bad, but that like just different thinking. I took my personal yeah. thoughts into my business, and they—they should be a little bit different. So now, when I when I spend you know eight, nine hundred or thousand dollars on inventory, I don't lose sleep on it like I did at first because I'm confident in my decisions. Where maybe before, when I didn't have a lot of data to work off it's more risky even if it was the same decision so like it kind of goes back to like uh, not only self awareness but it's awareness in general you have to be able to one be open to there's two or three people in my life that i talk to very regularly and I'll ask them they don't know each other but i think i look up to them all I think they're very smart and I'll ask them all the same question before I not do anything, but before I make big decisions, Mm -hmm. I run it by people and I don't let them make decisions for me, but I, I've listened to the possibility that I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. I always want to know why I'm possibly wrong on something because that's Mm -hmm. going to allow me to make the best decision possible. So I would say the best things are be, learn from your mistakes. Mm -hmm. Don't get crippled by your bad judgment calls We open to feedback and probably the most important thing that I'm working on now is learning to be outside of yourself in a a way and just think bigger, but like actually think bigger, which is tough to do on your own. Um, The best kind of scenario I can think of is my biggest issue right now in my life, not in my life, but in my business is I need more space but I'm at the very beginning of it. Like I'm just starting to need more space now. So I don't have a lot of data in terms of how much return I'm going to get consistently on these pallets. So I can't make a super well-educated decision on whether I get a warehouse or what I do. Mm-hmm. So I've been kind of asking the question of what I should do to some certain people. And the ideas that were given to me and, and were just like, I never would have thought of it on my own. Mm-hmm. So if, if you can get to a place where you can let the creativity and become more resourceful, is a is a very good trait to have,
1: man, bro. You said so much shit that's got my man. It's got me on ten, bro. I think <laughs> like the first thing that you said that you, like got me ready to jump out jump out my walls is you said that you have made forty thousand dollars in sales, but you still still more profitable. That is business to to the. I'm talking about like to the T, because that's that's just how business is and that's just how business works. It it, it pisses me off sometimes, like people um, seeing like people posting their results on Instagram and like looking at all of these numbers and how much, you know, sales and all of these things that they've done. I'm saying, you don't know the other side of the business. You can't can't get jealous. You can't do all of these things because you only know a sales number, which by the way, can be uh, fake. It can be replicated. There are like apps you can go into to switch that up and you could have made $10 in sales, but it says you made a hundred mil. And then on top of that, the other side of sort of like the hustler and the actual practitioner of running a business is that how much that you had to learn in order to get to that point, how many mistakes that you had to make, how much like the mental toughness, how much you had to change as a person in order to get to that place, bro. It it has me like on 10 because it's like <laughs> there, it, because it. it so much and it and it's honestly is difficult and it's hard and it's lonely and it feels like so misunderstood but you get to a point where it's like this is like you were saying it's it's my version of art and the same way somebody can can play a basketball or the same way somebody can can literally draw and, and make something amazing running my business is my version of mm-hmm. expressing myself or my version of creativity and man bro it's it's so i mean like it, from that which is probably the point that I think I'm, this is amazing. So even you saying having a council, being able to listen to those people, but not get too high off of what they say when they say, hey, I think the idea is stupid, or I don't think this is going to work, or there's, there's no way I can see this happening because it's like there are a thousand different perspectives. I want to know all of them, but they don't necessarily influence my opinion as much as I'm just taking it in, the information i'm letting you see how it come so man bro I, I love the mindset behind it i think you hit that question bro like i i couldn't
0: i can't even imagine you answering that question anymore perfect i think because like the the my main thing is like if now that we're following each other on Instagram, because that's where I do a lot of more of my stuff, is my whole thing is I want to be authentic. I really, really, because the online world, man, it's, it's, it is what it is. We all know what it is. But there are a lot of really cool people on it and a lot of people that are authentic. But in this world, particularly as well, there's a lot of authenticity, which I don't want to be a part of that. So I try to be like as real as possible mm-hmm. all the time. And I loved your question, because that's, and I was able to answer it in that way. But I also didn't want to make it seem like I'm just killing it and I'm working full time, and all this hunka dory because there's a lot of learning, a lot of shit that has to happen for me to get to really to that point. And it's
1: gonna, uh, yeah, and it's gonna and it's gonna keep learning. It's gonna keep happening. And then whenever you get to the point where you have, you know, it's like a full on 100% profitable business, there are still different problems that come in that you run and that you have to deal with. So you saying that and being being transparent, I think it opens up for so many people. So I have been very, very blessed to be, so I'm 20. So, you, you know, you're, you're a few, few years older than me, but I have been blessed to see extreme business success in, in a different industry. But because I was able to see that success, I kind of have a different perspective on entrepreneurship and, and numbers and everything like that because I, I know numbers can be false. I know things can be unprofitable. Like I, 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 I can just see different things but there are a lot of people my age who are young entrepreneurs or just now getting into it or trying to, you know, dip their toe in the water and they get so discouraged sometimes because it's like, they look at that and they say, you know, he made a hundred K this month. Hell I can't make a hundred dollars this month. I can't like, you know, I, I can't even imagine how I can do that. And they spend so much time preparing themselves and, kind of like doing that thought process of just one person and just one person's opinion and all, and, and pontificating about honestly just shit that they don't know and, and it almost upsets me because it, it's it's a crippling mindset because you don't know the ins and out of that person's business the only person who does is the one or two people that are actively running that business so you can you know look at it it's cool whatever whatever but you kind of like how you were saying is i have to look at all, everything and see all of the opinions And then take what I can take from it, but leave it there. And man, you got my blood boiling, bro. I I love that question, man. I I really think you answered that question really great. And and truly thank you for that transparency, because I think it's going to help a lot of people um, who get caught up in thinking that business is always a numbers game. When when I think it's just as much art as it is uh, numbers. Mm-hmm. But man, that was that was super awesome. So, okay, so the the next thing that I think I want to ask you, and it is almost almost a selfish question, just because I want to compare both of our stories, is <laughs> what were, what's, what is your coolest flip like today? Like the coolest one that you found? The
0: coolest. Well, most of my experience is with books, so they're probably when I think cool. I guess my mind kind of goes to the most profitable. Which mm-hmm. gives me two other thoughts. Well, one, I mean, I was flipping SOS pads from the dollar store, which is not cool particularly, but it's just like who would have thought? Mm-hmm. Um, right. But right. That I get from a dollar store. <laughs> yeah. So that, that it got competitive quick and it the, the tank enlist like the, the price dropped and it became yeah. not worth my while. But it was kind of like that was one of the first things that I really sold a lot of that, like really shocked me. Like, I can pay a dollar and they're going to sell for 10 crazy but then even then i was only making three bucks because amazon does take a fee because they're doing the customer service they do the fulfillment whatever um but more recently
1: but it felt like it felt like you just oh it was
0: great yeah (laughs) well if i'm spending one and making three i mean i'll take that deal but more recently i got a pallet with a bunch of like very recently we're talking like with like i literally did this less than a month ago and they're selling now i got this pallet with a bunch of textbooks that were brand new And on Amazon, there's something called the BSR or the best-selling rank. And Mm -hmm. with with books in Canada, anything under... So in the States, if you're a million or better, which is a million to one, it's Mm -hmm. probably going to sell. In Canada, it's like 500,000 to one. So if it's in that kind of rank, it's going to sell. The more it sells, the better rank it gets. So the number one item sells like crazy. So these had a rank of about 50K, which is like extremely good.
1: Mm
0: So I got this palette and there's like, 20 to 30 of them and they Mm -hmm. each sell for 150 dollars
1: wow well oh so 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 about pallets let me ask whenever you get a pallet do you know what's in the pallet or do you have like no
0: this is something you're probably gonna if you look into it people say do not do this it's like liquidation pallets but if it's so i've from my own experience just maybe the place i get it from amazon return pallets are not my jam for me right now they're probably super good for ebay what they are is basically amazon all their returns or even mm-hmm. walmart whatever they'll liquidate all that stuff they can't sell to they liquidators
1: I, I went to a store the other day where that is literally all they do and because i, I kind of peeked into the back and i noticed and i could just tell from my econ experience but like they they pretty much buy amazon return yeah. pallet put them out right into a store and they have like a whole storefront off that and that like blew my mind i was like yeah. And, and people were like buying tons and tons of stuff they sure
0: like- they get the same stuff they would buy anyway at a great price so it makes sense yeah. i i think i just it's not for me right now I, i'm because i like the book game That's um correct. so i got so on the basic on these pallets i don't know what's going to be there i'm not going to do any more amazon returns for now but the mm-hmm. books i definitely will mm-hmm. generally speaking it's a, for my acceptance rate so i have a little scanner that i use that tells me to it or not it's about eight to ten percent of what's there so if okay. i get a thousand books i'm only keeping you know ten percent of them at, mm. at best so i have a lot of duds to deal with mm. um but yeah those, those textbooks are an ongoing flip that are going to push me over from being they're going to push me over to to profitability so at this point i can start managing my money in a way that i want to mm. and um for anyone listening if you're having a tough time with your cash flow Profit first is just a way to start get I'm not saying that's a be all and all and do it forever, but it's a good way to start thinking about money. Profit first for e-com. It's a very good read. It's not hard, but it's very
1: good. Because that means you're you're profitable in 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 under pretty much seems like it's gonna be under a year. And in some businesses, that is unheard of. Like I mean, fucking Amazon wasn't profitable for like what the first 10 years. Mm-hmm. And a lot of freaking motors mortar stores, they're not profitable for like another three years. So I wanted, you know, for for being able to figure out a way to run run the business and get into the and get into the black or, or the green um, I think bro, I think that is absolutely amazing and I, won't, I think it won't like,
0: last because yeah. with that comes growth and expansion and then I need a truck and I need maybe a warehouse like so there mm-hmm. comes more expenses but then you scale up so yeah I would say don't get too hung up on on your profitability like the goal is to make money be profitable but don't let it cripple you I guess
1: right, right. it's a process it's a process and like you said you just keep growing just keep growing I think that my, probably now, so I do a lot more, I would say, treasure hunting than you do. And I think that's the difference between the Amazon and eBay game. Um, Definitely. So I go to, like, you know, estate sales and garages all the time. And I think I found a Budweiser RC car from Facebook Marketplace for, like, 25 bucks. And the, I was looking at comps, seeing some selling for, like, $1,200, 1300 Oh, jeez. I was like, holy shit! I'm not gonna have to resell anything else for the rest of the month. <laughs> for the next. <laughs> you know, shit! So I actually get the car. Turns out it, it wasn't it didn't it wasn't the exact motor that I thought it was in order yeah. to a lot. So still flipped it from about 25 to about I think I guys sold it for like 350. Oh, geez, uh, that's amazing. But still was like, hey, I mean, went out to eat every day that week. But uh, that so that's that my coolest day, and um. So I got two more questions before I let you go. And is there anything that you've been seeing for a long time that you want to find and that you want to resale?
0: Or you have sort of like, a, I like to call it a holy grail item? For me, I think it's maybe not an item per se, but it's a strategy like, like the wholesale. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know if this is limited beliefs or what, but I honestly really, really think that the game is different in Canada than it is in the U.S. Mm-hmm. I spent a solid week, which isn't a lot of time. I'm not saying that like I killed myself, but I I probably was putting, I probably spent 40 to 50 hours Mm -hmm. a full week, put my, in just really trying to locate just one, just one good wholesaler in Canada. And maybe it's the strategies that I was using or the methods I went about it. I I wasn't, I guess like I, I I was having a lot of conversations, but I was finding it very difficult to find profitable items in wholesale without place in massive orders. There was one I talked to that seemed pretty good, but it was like a $10,000 minimum. But then when I, I, I briefly did sell in the US and it seemed, and I don't know, it just seemed to me like it was not easy to find those relationships, but it was easy to find wholesale products that were profitable in the states um and it could just be that i'm missing something on the canada side and i i don't know anyone and i haven't seen anyone that's doing it in canada yet so that's one of the things that i want to crack that code because it's there the opportunity is there there's no doubt about it it's just it might take some more creativity to get there on the canada side and the other thing i'm tracing because someone once told me that you can't scale my business to sell it because it's so reliant on me and i also yeah. am trying to i don't i don't want to sell my business but i'm, I'm looking into some ways that i could potentially start automating start, things start yeah even the sourcing where you hire people you have mm-hmm. these little computers set up with the triggers in they just go scan the store tells you if they buy it or not they have their own credit card set to the business you know something like that but just mm-hmm. ideas
1: it's, it's, no, 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 that's very true, because um, that, that is pr- probably one of the, the crippling parts of exiting with the business, like the ones that we run, is that they're very dependent on us and our knowledge, that we kind of have to hire tons and tons of people in order mm-hmm. to really uh, get it to a point where it's like a like a, a business mm-hmm. or a scalable business, quote unquote. Um but man I'm bro, I'm so happy to to have you on. And my my last question is uh where can people find you?
0: Well, pretty much everywhere. I have at least a little bit of a presence. Now, I'll say my biggest thing if um is definitely Instagram. Um mm-hmm. so the casual flipper on Instagram, Twitter is just casual flipper, TikTok the casual flipper. I have a website thecasualflipper.com. Um there you'll find all my social links. I have a podcast as well. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's pretty much it.
1: Actually, Chris, thank you so much for having having on. But guys, please do not take uh, anything that you learned over here from Granite, from understanding different things about business, different things about mindset, understanding how to value your own opinion versus other people's opinion, understanding mental shifts, being able to change from one thought process into another because you're switching into a different industry. And please guys, go give Chris a follow. Check out his page. I spent a lot of time looking at Chris and checking out his advice and trying to figure out how, how I can apply it into my own game. Because while this was a very reseller uh, focused, podcast Chris has a ton of value to give and a ton of other things and I really would like you guys to check him out so guys until next time keep it real and keep it reselling